Hello and welcome to Demystifying Tech. I'm Alistair Hardacre and I'm joined this week by Tech Manchester's Trish Keating. Hello. And Business Cloud Editor Jonathan Simcox. Morning. Coming up in the show today, our chat with AI leaders peak as we take a demystified look at how their tech works and later a look at how the UK's music sector is being transformed by tech entrepreneurs. But first, let's talk money because a new £20 note is coming into circulation on the 20th of February, so a couple of weeks. A little one. That'll fit in my purse. (laughs) Amazing. Is it smaller? I would hope so. All the other ones got smaller. Oh, Five so pounds got smaller. Right. Ten pounds got smaller. And now we've so we now we've got older twenty pound notes, yeah. which are the paper ones. Yeah. And then plastic, teeny tiny, ten and five pound ones. Polymer. That's technically what they're called. Oh. Pol- polymer. I don't think the five is smaller <laughs> than it used to be. Is it? Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Never noticed. Maybe you're just getting bigger. So did, did they have to like redo all, recalibrate all the cash machines to? spit out a different size note. Well, it's the same as the one pound coins. Yeah, they all, they all changed. Yeah. And there was a whole, like, oh, we're going to have to change yeah. all the shopping trolleys in the whole world. <laughs> and I think I'm the only person who, like, every week gets a pound in change, like an old pound in change from a shop and doesn't realise and then opens a wallet and goes... What kind of shops do you go to? Well, uh, you'll be pleased to know that there's a bunch of uh, new security features on this uh, £20 note. Um, a new hologram image. Uh, uh, oh, and also if you hold it under under ultraviolet light, then in, uh, a number will appear, number 20, because it's a £20 note. Uh, there's also a new silver foil patch which contains a 3D image of a crown. And there's, you know, the clear windows that you have on the new ones. Mm-hmm. It's got two now, not just one. It's got two. Boom. Yeah. So there's a lot of new technology on this £20 uh, no, which you'll be able to sort of get hold of uh, from, some, well, lucky people will, from cash machines in a couple of weeks. Um, but I thought it'd be good to talk about this week because, you know, there's all this new security technology on £20 notes. But as you say, things are changing quite rapidly. People don't have as much cash anymore. Is it worth the investment in in securing these bank notes with, you know, increased security? Or do you think by the time these are in circulation, cash might be over? There's a massive problem, right? I mean, I know £50 notes are, are the is the notes that are best known for forgeries, but there's a really yeah. high percentage of notes out in the wild which which are fake. <laughs> in the wild? In the wild. <laughs> <laughs> so what's Crossing the Serengeti. Just <laughs> 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 Okay. I don't know. What's, what's, I'll start with that imagery. What's the effect on on the economy when you effectively take these old notes out of circulation? Because mm. I imagine there's more fake 50, well, £20 notes than there are £5 notes. Yeah, well, they, I mean, they slowly get taken out of circulation. But and, and the £50 note, there's a new one in 2021. So that's even further into the future. There's a new £50 note coming out. That'll have all of the same features and we'll have Alan Turing on, on it. Oh, well, that's good. Hero. Yeah. When so, is that coming out? 2021. That's oh, when the new okay. one's coming out. So you've got to wait a bit for that. I mean, right. I don't carry many 50 £50 notes around with me anyway, but it might be nice yeah. to just get get the one with Alan Turing on. Oh, but that's, I think that's nice. So it's LGBT History Month this month, so that's actually, that's quite a nice announcement. Well done, government. <laughs> well done. <laughs> my my favourite typo was, uh, I used to work for a company who had a series of meeting rooms that were named after tech entrepreneurs, and um, the Alan Turing room <laughs> was oh, one dear. of the meeting rooms. <laughs> and it just stayed there for years. No one, no one actually just took out the end. <laughs> Well, let's hope uh, they fix that on the £50 note, otherwise it could be quite an expensive uh, mistake. That's a serious question, though. I mean, at what point do you think that the investment in new technology in banknotes and coins uh, isn't actually worth the money anymore and more investment in making, you know, cashless society more inclusive would be a better idea? Um, Well, I would argue that uh, taking cash out of the economy actually hits the poorest, hardest, because they rely on cash Mm -hmm. and being able to 
take cash out. So there's a if we go down that road where we're removing cash, it's like we're removing cash machines. Yeah. And then there's cash machines that'll then charge you mm-hmm. for getting your money out. Yeah. Well, the people that are going to need that service more than anybody else are the people in the lowest sort of socioeconomic de- demographics. So yeah. it's not more inclusive. I never really like those arguments where. Um, someone says, oh, wouldn't this cash be better spent somewhere else? It's like saying we shouldn't have HS2 because we should invest that in our bus service. Mm. You know, you can you can invest in more than one area. Do you think a cashless society is, you know, it's something that's talked about a lot and, and the more that people, uh, you know, use contactless and use kind of non-cash technology to pay for things, the more that it's... I mean, for me, for instance, I don't know the last time I carried an actual note around. I, I can't remember when that was. Oh, I, I always have to have a wee bit of money in my purse. I just... In your tiny purse. It's a confidence. It's a con- <laughs> yeah, just so it, you never know when you're going to need a wee bit of cash. Yeah, so, emergency cash. Yeah, I'd always like, you know, cash back £20, just keep it in there. Yeah. And then be annoyed because it doesn't fit in my purse, whereas <laughs> the other ones do. Is that, a de- is that a generation thing, do you think, Alistair? I don't know. I, th- I don't know what it is. I mean, I... I well, we're Generation X and you're Generation uh, Y I'm or whatever you want to call it, Millennial. Be, millennial. I'm yeah. not a Millennial. Well, I had a conversation with a woman on the podcast the other day, Marianne, and... Mm-hmm. I think we worked out that we weren't millennials yeah. or something else. We're well, the one before that. We were Generation X, yeah. You and I are Generation X. Yeah, well, it depends on the definition. Me and John have been going back and forth a lot about what what counts. And I think certainly if it's, you know, if it's an approach to life, uh, John's Gen X. But I think technically he's a millennial. (laughs) Technically. I'm not technically Technically. a millennial. (laughs) Uh, If people want to hear the the podcast that you mentioned, um, where could they go to to hear that? Uh, They can go to any of the podcast platforms and they look up Fast Forward, all one word, tech, and you will find the Fast Forward podcast by Tech Manchester. Which you host. Which I host, yeah. And okay. had some great chats recently. So, and we've got some great stuff coming up for, for March, for International Women's Day, for April. We've got a whole UK business angels partnership going on with angel investing. Lots to listen to. So I've just pulled up an interesting um, article here. This one relates to uh, specifically to Kenya. So there are some things that maybe aren't as relevant. Yeah. But um, So it talks about when the banknotes are going to be improved, they will be more inclusive because it will actually help people who are visually impaired because there's technology on them for them to yep. use it. Yeah. Counterfeiting, which will impact everybody. I don't know yeah. how much counterfeit £20 notes there are in the UK economy. Um, they're talking about black money here, which is obviously the sort of, uh, like, must be things like, you know, those diamonds and stuff like that, mm. like illegal money. Yeah. Uh, money laundering, that's yes, it. That, yeah. um, and then sort of what it does is encourages people then to deposit cash in banks that maybe have the have lying around the house. So, mm. you know, you might keep... Like, obviously, I don't do this, but uh, <laughs> some people do. Um, where they keep, like, some money, but they have to you bring it into the bank. Do. They have you to change it. Do. No, I, I don't. don't no, I don't. I don't. The, I don't. That's not I know where it is. <laughs> Please don't encourage people to come and, like, tiger kidnap me or something. Um, and then, yeah, so that that kind of helps curb social, uh, antisocial and criminal bacti- uh, activities and stuff mm. like that. So, And there just, are, you know, there are an increasing number of businesses that are kind of, as a, as a kind of a, by embracing technology, calling themselves cashless businesses. I've been to plenty of cafes where on the door it says we're a cashless business. Yeah. And uh, that's not great for inclusivity, I suppose. But maybe there has to be a point at which, you know, cash... Just, I think it depends where it is. Can you see it ever happening? Or do you think people holding on to money, people having emergency money, is going to mean that there's there's always a space for a £50 note just to be safe? Well, when the apocalypse comes. I know. Well, we'll be, yeah, we'll be trading in cans of beans, probably. That'll well, be the new currency. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're already at that point where if 
you know, the financial system, digital systems were brought down, then we'd all be stuffed, right? We're not, yeah. not going to say, oh, I'll just go to my cash reserve under the mattress and, and, and yeah. pay for my mortgage that way. <laughs> it's just not going to work. I feel like we're it? encouraging really bad, like, conspiracy <laughs> behaviours <laughs> in this conversation. Everybody's going to listen to this and go, maybe I should keep some money. Maybe I should stock up in cans of beans. Well, I mean, if you look at the effect on, you know, everyone thinks everything's going to be fine. You look at, like, the coronavirus and that's yeah. effect on the tech sector even. Yeah. Tesla's, you know, stock's fallen by 17% because of the, the manufacturing process. So they've they've been held behind. Apple's been impacted as well. Their iPhone manufacturing has gone down. Um, so, you, you know... Because you, of the coronavirus? Yeah. Because people are sick? Yeah, because people are sick and they're, they're uh, quarantining themselves. Okay. Um, they, you know, they're getting food deliveries. Um, apparently KFC and Pizza Hut in, in the area that's affected has, has started offering um, deliveries to the door, but they mean to the door, so like yeah. outside, and then we'll give you a and ring. And run away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know... You can see how you can see how these things and like digital currency as well. You assume that they're always going to work, but if they don't, then then it is it is kind of scary how quickly things things will fall apart. So maybe mm. there is always an argument for having cash. Yeah, that's you know. I'll tell you what. It hurt less yesterday. I was in London yesterday, and it hurt less when I uh, when I paid five pound fifty for a pint using a card than it would have done if I'd had to physically hand over a note. And a coin, mm. yeah. So there is that side to it. Yeah, you kind of can you could have just not had the. Pint. You can pretend that it's a normal price. Yeah, but the, bo- the water, <laughs> probably, like the water probably costs the same amount. So not, not that much, you know. Not whiny northerner, but five pound fifty for a pint. <laughs> really, <laughs> that is literally the cliche of the whining northerner. Yeah. The complaining about the price of pints. Yeah. Unbelievable. Anyway, uh, John, your trip down to London, which included um, that pint, also included a visit to Abbey Road Studios. It did, yeah. I, I had the pint after I went to Abbey Road Studios, <laughs> yeah. not before. Um, <laughs> Okay, yeah, sounds great. Okay, so good. Cashless society, nah. no, not going to happen. Nah. Nah. Putting the kibosh on it. No. Just want smaller notes. Yep, to fit my purse. Thank you very much. cheaper pints. That's right. <laughs> cheap, cheap beers all I want. We're very simple people. How about a 450 note? How, would that work? And then you wouldn't have to get a change back. Four fifty now. Yeah, and then you wouldn't have to complain about the pints anymore because you could just hand over a four four pound fifty. It'd be five pound fifty. But it's five pound fifty. Oh, five. Yeah. yeah. Oh bloody hell, that is expensive. Five pound fifty. <laughs> <laughs> so staying on our theme of twenty twenty as the year of AI, uh, I had a chance to speak with Milo Portis, head of commercial at AI firm Peak, about how their technology works. Their firm, which was named Business Cloud's Northwest Tech Fifty winner last year, is working with big names, including Foot Asylum, to help them get more from their own data. So here's my chat with Milo as we demystify the cutting-edge tech work they're doing with their clients. So I'm Milo Portis and I'm uh, the head of retail at Peak. Most businesses will find they have data in in, in many different locations, whether that's from e-commerce systems through to product feeds through to, uh, you know, positions of stock in the warehouse and along with marking data from social, email, etc. And we, we were able to bring that all together in our system. And what that gives you is, uh, is kind of what we like to call a golden record. Um, that golden record is then in, in, in a great shape to start to predict with um, and to predict things that, that ultimately allow you to get a closer connection to your customer. Um, things like their lifetime value, things like their recommended products um, and when they might be in, in market to purchase and what they might be in market to purchase. Where we are with the technology at the moment is so cutting edge that almost the explanations of how come after. The, the data scientists at Peak and, and like, you know, world-renowned data scientists are constantly building and trying to work out the, the systems and the, the ways that machine learning 
interacts with data, so that's the form of AI that, that Peak and, and most businesses most commonly use. Um, and, and there's an ability for them then to explain how it works, but in pushing that on and, and trying to create value from that data, in, in making the models and making the predictions as accurate as possible, you might sacrifice explainability. It's really easy to explain, you know, how one plus one, what well, maybe not, but it's very easy to explain, you know, how, how some very simple linear processes work. It's more difficult to explain how kind of complex algorithmic processes work, but ultimately the value you can derive from the latter is, um, is something that, that I, I think that, that our customers and, and most business leaders will, will see the, see the real, um, value from AI in. So there's that, there's that side of things. The other one is it, it can be and is explainable. So that you, you probably hear the term explainable AI used quite a lot. Um, if you know where that data is, is recorded, if you know how that data has been recorded, so the systems that you're using to gather that as a business, then the, the predictions that the AI makes are intuitive. AI works much like the human mind in, in, in understanding data in various forms and then predicting on that. So if you if you know you're a marketing executive and you understand that the data you've given to the to the AI is like email um, transmission data, sales data, and product data, it's quite intuitive to understand how that AI then predicts what email to send to what person with what product in, because it's essentially a similar process that you would go through as an industry expert. The true value of AI is understanding and operationalizing it across the, the, the value chain of a business, so from supply chain through to buying and merchandising and, and, and into marketing. Um, and, and the data that flows across that can be, can be, uh, can be uh, executed and, and predicted on by machine learning. So I think what you'll see is more and more machine learning being used in an isolated case, which from my experience and my understanding means you won't see the true value of the machine learning algorithms or AI because they're only working on a small sample set of data. Um, and then when that market starts to kind of mature and understand and see the potential, we're going to see a lot of those solutions connecting up through like central systems of intelligence. One such system is, is peak. Um, and I'm sure there'll be, there'll be many more to come when, they, when like the industry and the market sees that this is a, a valuable and interesting route uh, to take. John, you have been to Abbey Road Studios, uh, not to record your own album. Although I know there's a rap album in you, I know there is. Yeah, uh, so some modern music these days, I'd probably be record a better album, but uh, <laughs> with my four so now, guitar chords. Yeah, whinging northerner now as, <laughs> as well, uh, whinging old northerner. So uh, tell us, tell us what you were doing there, if not recording uh, the next big hit. Abbey Road is uh, has a long history of innovation, and they're continuing that with a tech incubator called Abbey Road Red. Um, so I went down there yesterday to interview Isabel Garvey, who's the director at Abbey Road, um, and to find out how they're working with uh, different tech startups. So, so far, they've worked with 14 tech startups, um, and they've effectively, they call it an incubator, not an accelerator. So they add the services, the knowledge, the client base, and they help them sort of clear those hurdles and, and f make their business into a product without actively investing in the companies themselves. And right. not on all of these businesses are kind of music, music, music focused, based. So it's all stuff to do with Abbey Road, which, you know, if anyone doesn't know, 
has had some pretty big hits yes, uh, recorded there uh, in the, the Beatles uh, for one uh, OK Computer by Radiohead um, so yesterday there was an event in uh, Studio 2 which was made famous by the Beatles part of Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd was, was recorded in that studio mm. um, so it was a graduation ceremony for the latest three startups yesterday so there's Audu that we've interviewed in the past for Business Cloud yeah. which is kind of like a plug-in device which can monitor uh, music which is played in shops mm. and in bars and clubs and then ensure that the royalties get paid to the artists for that yeah. um, and then two AI music startups as well that were really really interesting yeah, tell me about um, LifeScore, first of all, and what they do. So LifeScore is a score for your life. So basically, it's imagine if you were to go out for a run and you were listening to a piece of music. So music's been performed by a human, so it could be orchestral, uh, classical music, it could be rock music, it could be dance music, whatever it is. Um, it responds to the triggers, so it could be your heart rate for your Apple Watch, it could be the accelerometer accelerometer in your phone you know how how you're moving um and it, it literally will change the music according to these triggers so it could speed the music up slow it down add an instrument it's absolutely amazing so so the demonstration yesterday they were like moving the phone and the, the music would change whether in tone it'd slow it down it'd make it a bit louder a bit more a bit more uh, subtle maybe depending on on how you were moving and um, so absolutely fascinating because I, th I thought when I first heard Life Score, the name, I thought it was maybe like a credit score or something like that. But it means like a score as a in score like a, music. a soundtrack yeah. to, uh, to your life. So we interviewed Philip Shepard yesterday, who's the CEO. So he, it was originally his idea. So Philip has worked on a number of films, um, you know, as a composer. Mm. He, he's worked at Abbey Road for 25 years, uh, but he's also a professional cellist. Um, what he did was he found technologists to work with him. So Ian Drew as well was in, in interview yesterday, but they also with, worked with Tom Gruber to develop their technology, who's the uh, co-founder of Siri, which was obviously bought yeah. by Apple. Yeah. And he worked at Apple for 10 years. So we, we're talking some high-level tech people working yeah. on this product. And uh, the, uh, the applications for it is, you know, so give me an example of, of how I might use LifeScore in my day-to-day -day life to make to make things uh, more exciting. If you're out for a run, for yeah. example, so you know your you know the music starts off nice and nice and slow, kind of like rock music maybe, and you're you know you're just like stretching and warming up, and then you set off, and the music starts to speed up a little bit, speed up a little bit, and then your heart rate's pounding, and the music's really really kind of pumping through your veins and then you slow down you know you have a little warm down you walk for a bit and it just slows down again yeah um, so if, <coughs> if you were like driving in the car mm. and, and you know you, you sort of go faster then maybe the the orchestral score would like add an instrument so right. maybe a triumphant trumpet or something like yeah. that um so and then as you were slowing down again for a traffic light maybe it would make it more subtle so, right okay you know so almost like if you imagine the 1812 or orchestra just to show you that i'm not just a bitter old northerner i'm, I'm cultured uh if you, the 1812 orchestra when you're driving fast you've got the cannons going off and you know the triumphant uh -huh. Russian revolution music and then you get to the traffic lights and it will automatically subtly and this is incredible just how the transition is yeah. so seamless yeah it will then move back down to the dun, dun, dun. what is it how does it go Joey? the, the 1812 that's great. Mm -hmm. I don't think we need to worry about our rights. No worries about rights issues with that rendition. One of the ones I thought of was like, let's say, if I, if I connected it to my to-do list, right? The more items I ticked off my to-do list, the more like positive the and, happier it gets. and exciting the soundtrack yeah. gets. And that's giving me more motivation so to get stuff So you start off done. with Radiohead and yeah. finish off with, yeah. um, I don't know, Bewitched or something? Yeah. <laughs> 
what is it with you and Bewitched? I mean, hello. <laughs> We're literally related. Um, but the premise behind it is if you imagine you're the central character in, in your own film, yeah. is the, it's the score for that. So mm. so music, you know, the guys were saying, I mean, it sounds quite obvious, but if you take the, the dum-dum out of Jaws, then it's just not scary. Yeah. Um, you know, you take the, the out of out of Star Wars, the, what's a lightsaber? It's just a you know, bit of light. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's a stick. <laughs> it's not even a stick, is it? It's just, oh, it's a bit it's just of like light, an illusion. Yeah. <laughs> but it, the point is yeah. that the, the music, the sound effect, yeah, make, is everything powerful. Yeah. So if you if you had you said imagine if you were like going through your day and you had something to add that kind of drama and that mm. that emotional thing stuff that would bring tears. We can to your all eyes. be like living episodes of like yeah. EastEnders. We could we could all be in this podcast now, and we could do, all do, do, and we could do, all be. Do, do, you know, do, 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 yeah. Our heart rates would be so you know we're so pumped up for this podcast, and we could yeah. all be like listening to this music, and we'd get really excited. Yeah. And then Trish would start speaking, and it'd slow down again. <laughs> uh, high ridge, high ridge. Because <laughs> you know that situation where you're trying to find the perfect piece of music for your mood. You know, I'm right. tired. I'm driving home. I need yeah. this kind of music. What yeah. is it that I want to listen to? I don't know. This this automatically does right. that for you, but you can also grab it and say this was particularly moving for mm-hmm. me. I want to save that to, to listen to it again in future. And we've all got that song, haven't we, that's like it, something was happening at that time and then you hear the song again later on and it just takes you right back. That's right. So we, that we talked about the nostalgia in music as yeah. well and, and how, yes, it's, it's, you know, it, a certain moment in your life, it can take you back to that and transport you to that. Yeah. So that's that's where that answer came from, if you want. And then obviously Bewitched for you, Trish, which takes you back I to... Mean. Yeah, yeah. Hilltown Disco. Yeah, nineteen ninety four. Were you wearing double denim? Um, yeah, was it? <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, yeah, let's move on. Uh, uh, so, another company that you, you spoke to, John. That, I mean, you've described them as a kind of music searcher engine, sustain so on the kind of music score theme. Uh, this one's using AI as well, but but rather than scoring someone's life, it's helping people to score actual films. Uh, yeah, so a company called MyPart. Effectively, what they do is they um, they use artificial intelligence to um, sort of catalogue music, I suppose you would say. So it could be based on the semantics of how the, the song is put together, uh, the lyrics as well. Um, but rather than just sort of labelling it, this is a dance track, mm. this is... Uh, so ever so many beats per minute. I don't know whatever yeah. whatever the, the very specific tags are. Yeah. He said, let's do something more subtle than that. So, for example, if you were looking at a brand or a company looking for music to accompany an advert or a video, you would be able to say, find me music similar to this famous song. And the idea is that these these record companies have millions of songs that are never utilized for you know never licensed for like brands yeah. by brands, and there's only a very small percentage that are. But actually, there's so much music out there that would be perfect for that. How do you make that searchable? So it's kind of like a search engine for, I want music for this kind of feeling or similar to this kind of music to to evoke these sensations. I mean, it's kind of similar to what Spotify is doing, but obviously that's all curated. Now, you know, you get playlists that say certain things. Yeah, play music like this. Yeah, or like the Happy Playlist, and it's full of of music curated. But this is actually taking it it one step further and and doing the listening on, on the behalf of the curator. Yeah, so... One of the guys that we interviewed, who's an advisor to them, um, built up Interscope Records, right. a famous record company yeah. in America. They signed he signed Tupac, for example. You know, so we're talking like some high level artists. Um, but he was saying how listening, you know, if you're an, a record company exec looking at the other side of the coin, you might have like 500 demos sent to you a day mm. to listen to, and 
trying to listen to those with a fresh, clear mind without just drudging through them is, is impossible. So how do you unearth those diamonds? And actually you can apply this intelligence to say, these are the 20 songs which are the closest to the kind of thing we are looking for, which right. the market wants. Yeah. Uh, what the kids are listening to or whatever. <laughs> the kids these days. <laughs> whatever the parameters are, you can decide as depending on the, the company, yeah. right? And yeah. then those 20 songs, you can sort of cherry pick the 20 songs that are most likely to t- you know, to float your boat as, uh-huh. a, as a, an exec and, yeah. and do that. So it's almost enabling or giving opportunity to people um, to, to get published as well. So if you want to find out more about those companies, uh, even more than uh, we've discussed today, there's a big feature coming out in the next edition of the Business Cloud magazine. Uh, you can go to businesscloud.co.uk forward slash magazine to subscribe now. Uh, and you'll get your edition free, uh, a four-page feature on Abbey Road and all the amazing things they're doing in music technology. Thanks for listening to the show. Catch up with us next week by subscribing to Demystifying Tech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iTunes. For more UK tech news and insights, go to businesscloud.co.uk. And to see us live at our next event, go to businesscloud.co.uk forward slash events. Hold up. 